Well, this morning we're celebrating the culmination of what is the most important series of events in the, in the history of the church and the world. In the first Corinthians chapter 15, Paul lays out these events and he says in verse three, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Now, at the, at the core of the gospel message is these three events that, uh, that really changed the world. Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Three events that really have changed the landscape of the world. Amen? Three events that really have changed the world. And even though people are agnostic or atheist, they still have to deal with it. They got to put on their calendar 2017, which means they're acknowledging that that's 2017 years after Jesus died. You can't get away from it. Jesus changed the world. Amen. But now these three events begins with the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified. He was crucified. In fact, Luke chapter 24 and verse 20 says, the chief priests and our rulers handed him, being Jesus, over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. Now, we're not familiar with crucifixion anymore, but by watching the Charleston Heston movies and stuff like that, we know the crucifixion was the modern day death sentence that they, they used to execute criminals during biblical times. It wasn't, it was, it was a brutal and it was a horrible death. And that's the kind of death that Jesus suffered when he died on the cross, right? In fact, the Bible tells us that, you know, what they did was they stripped him of his clothes and they paraded him down the street naked and they spat on him and they mocked him and they, and they made fun of him publicly in the front of everybody. And the scripture tells us that you know, that they, they brought him to a point where they, they took what was called a cat of nine tails, which was a, a whip with some shredded pieces on the end with pieces of bone or, or stone at the end. And they began whipping him unmercifully to the point that his back was totally shredded. His flesh and his tissue was totally exposed. And so, you know, they didn't stop there, but then they wove a crown of thorns and they said, well, you say you're the king of the Jews. Well, we're going to make you a crown. And they shoved it into his head and they forced the thorns into his skull till it penetrated his skull and blood began to flow from his skull as the pain just began to shoot through his body. It was unmerciful. But, and then it didn't stop there, of course. Then they brought him to the cross and they nailed his hands to the wooden cross and they shoved those nails through his, through his wrist and they shoved that, the, that nail through his feet and they nailed him to the cross and they took the cross and they stood it up and they, and they hung him there in between the earth and heaven. They hung him there until he exasperated, until he lost all his breath and he finally gave up the ghost. How many of you know Jesus suffered a horrible death? And so Jesus died the most painful, horrendous death that really you could ever experience. And so the question then is why did God the Father allow Jesus to go through such a, a brutal treatment, a horrible death? Why did he allow it? Well, I believe there's two reasons. And the first one is that so he could identify and help us with our pain and our weakness. 
How many of you know there was a purpose for everything that Jesus did? He didn't just do something haphazardly. And so the Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, the high priest of ours, meaning Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. And so what this verse, I believe, is saying is that Jesus knows and understands the weaknesses that you and I face. He, he's, he's aware of it because he faced them all himself. And that's what the verse is saying. Listen, we're not serving a God or we're not serving a king who's out of touch with reality and has no clue what's going on at your house and at my house down your street and my street. We serve a master who knows what's going on. He knows what it's like to feel the physical pains of abuse. Some of you maybe have been abused in this room. Well, Jesus knows what it's like to suffer abuse. You're not alone. Jesus knows what it's like to face the emotional testing of sorrow, of sadness, of depression, and of discouragement. He knows what it feels like. And some of you in this room are probably feeling some of those emotions, and Jesus understands that. And you know what? He knows what it's like to face the relational pains of loneliness, being all by yourself. He knows what it's like to face rejection when even the closest to him walked away. He knows what that feels like. And his own people are mocking him and kneeling on the cross. He understands betrayal. And some of you in this room today have faced betrayal, have felt lonely, have felt all alone. Well, Jesus understands that. We're not talking about a God who's out of touch with reality this morning. If you ever wondered if anybody understands what you're going through and where you're at, I want you to know there is someone that understands what you're, where you're at and what you're going through, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same things that we do. Jesus understands. So I can never say nobody understands. If I say that, I don't realize who Jesus is. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? So the death of Jesus, you know, the death, the burial and the resurrection, you know, they follow Good Friday, Saturday and Easter Sunday. And so the death of Christ, that's the Good Friday that we, that we think about, that we talk about. And so the second reason Jesus endured such a brutal crucifixion is so he could pay the penalty for our sins and take care of our sin problem. How many of you know that we have a problem? Now, you know, that might not mean much to you unless you understand the devastating effects of sin. You know, I think that many times we don't have a clue. We call it, you know, weaknesses. We call it slip ups. We call it a mistake. But how many of you know sin is still sin in today's day? And regardless of what the culture says, sin is still sin, right? And Romans 6.23 says, when people sin, they earn what sin pays is death. And so without realizing every area of our life is affected when we sin, we can't get away from the, from the, the effects and the ramifications of sin. And the more we participate in sin, the more negatively we are affected by sin. It just got quiet in here. Amen. I'm talking about your neighbor, not you, right? 
But you know, years ago, you know, a number of years ago, remember when the Katrina and Rita thing happened? And you know, there's a, a small town south of here, and uh, a lot of the houses got flooded. And so, uh, you know, what they decided to do was they just said, you know, they were poor. They they didn't uh, they didn't understand uh, the whole ramifications of a house flooding. So they took all the furniture outside and just put it out in the sun, let it dry. They wiped down all the walls and the floors. They opened the windows and the doors, and they just let it dry out for a while. And when it looked like it was dry, they they took the furniture and brought it back in and they just closed the windows and doors, put the AC on and they thought everything was okay. But how many of you know it wasn't okay? Because what happened was mold began to grow in the house. And before they knew it, they got contaminated with the mold that was in the house. And before they, got, they knew it, they got sick, some got cancer and some died. And see, sin is like the contamination of mold in our house. And so without realizing it, like mold in a house will affect you negatively, without realizing sin in our life will affect us negatively, mentally, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally. Every area of our life is affected by it. Amen? And so Jesus, when he went to the cross, he went to pay the penalty of our sin and to help us with the problem of sin. How many of you think that is great news right there? Amen? Now, the, the reason... Jesus went to the cross, Isaiah 53, 4 tells us it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Now imagine being in a fight in a martial arts ring and, and, and you're up against an adversary that is better than you and he's beating you up. And Jesus steps in the ring and takes your place for you. It says, you're not going to beat him up anymore. You're going to have to deal with me. How many of you know Jesus knows the pain and the suffering that we go through in life and we're in the ring of life and Jesus steps in and says, no more. I'm going to take that punishment for you. Amen. Imagine if you went to the court and the court started uh, accusing you of sin and they begin pulling out these case studies and, and the evidence that you've sinned and that you've broken the laws of God and the judge raises up his gavel and he's about to send you, sentence you to a hard time because of your sin. And Jesus stands up and says, excuse me, sir, I would like to take the sentence that he deserves. I'll take that punishment upon myself. And let him go free. See, whenever you understand the gravity of what Jesus did when he died on the cross, it was a big deal. Amen? How many of you are grateful Jesus died on the cross? Amen? And he took our suffering. He took our pain. And he took the payment and the penalty of our sin. He didn't die on the cross because of his sin. He took our place. Amen? The death of Jesus Christ reminds us that God's grace and mercy is available for us every day. And that's what the scripture says in Hebrews 4, 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And there we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it the most. God's grace, God's grace, God's mercy is there to help us through the, the pain and the sufferings we experience in life. His grace is sufficient for us to be healed of our sin problem. Amen. And listen, you know, the Bible says too much is given, that person is grateful. How many of you feel like you've been released from a lot of, of punishment that you should have paid for, but thank God for his grace, amen? You see, I don't know how you feel, but 32 years ago, 
You see, I was in a place, an emotional place where I was depressed and discouraged. I was empty inside and I had a problem with sin and that sin problem brought me into an addiction and and I could not stop doing drugs and I was controlled by things that was outside of me. And then I experienced the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of a sudden the burden of sin that I was wearing and I was carrying God broken off my life. Amen. And the addiction that had a hold of me was broken and I got set free. That's 32 years ago and I'm still happy about it today. I would not want to go back there. What about you? Come on, what about you? Amen. Amen. How many of you think him dying on the cross is a big deal? The second event in the series of events that changed the world during Holy Week is the burial of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 19, 41, the place of crucifixion was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. It's important to remember that Jesus not only died, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Now, we talk a lot about Good Friday, and we talk a lot about Easter Sunday, but we don't talk a lot about Saturday. But Saturday is real important. His burial is important. Why is the fact that he was buried so important? Well, think about it with me. Because the message he sent to his followers, whenever he was buried and his body laying in that tomb, think about it. The message that his disciples must have received because he had made all these proclamations. You know, they say that Saturday, that Saturday may have been the only day in the last 2,000 years when literally not one person believed that Jesus was alive. Not one person. Everyone, including his closest followers, were thinking Jesus did not appear to be the risen Savior. He did, not, he did not appear to be the, the risen Savior, but the defeated Savior. I mean, think about it. Everyone must have been wondering, wait a minute. What just happened to Jesus? Why did he fail to accomplish his purpose? Was he the Messiah or not? Was he the Savior or not? I mean, he said he came to rule and to conquer. He's in the tomb now. Was he really the Messiah? It was a dark day for them. And, and we need to remember that all his followers... His burial represented the day of disappointment, of the loss of hope. Have you ever been there? You see, his burial represented the day your dreams die. The Saturday represented the day when you realize things are not turning out the way that you thought they would. You see, Saturday represents, the burial represents the day when it seems God doesn't come through for you and all hope for a brighter future is gone. Have you ever felt that way? Has anybody in this room ever felt that way? Yes, of course. Everybody does. Have you ever felt so disappointed and filled with doubt and confusion that you wanted to just give up? Well, if you felt that way, listen, you are not alone. Peter felt that way. In fact, the Bible tells us that Peter went back to his old ways. He went fishing. He went fishing. Why do you, why do you think that Peter went fishing? Because he felt hopeless. He felt like his dreams were dashed. He thought he was following the Messiah. And isn't it true that even as Christians, whenever you follow the Lord, sometimes you wake up one morning and you feel like you're doing your best to follow the Lord, but it seems like all your dreams are dashed. 
I believe so. I believe there's people in this room like that this morning. Amen? What do you do? What do you do when all your hopes and dreams die? What do you do when you feel totally hopeless about circumstances that you can't control? Well, I believe the solution is trust the Lord and be hopeful for a better day. Trust the Lord and be hopeful. Listen what Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Abraham hoped against hope. I think we got to learn to hope against hope. We need to learn how to trust God. Amen. And so, you know, listen, it's in trusting God that hope begins to rise up and to overflow in your life. It's trusting God. It's trusting God when nothing around you makes sense, but you say, listen, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't know why I am where I am. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I am not going to throw away my hope and my trust in God. I'm going to trust him. Amen. I'm going to trust him. And when you trust God, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit begins to flow in your life. And that's where resurrection comes from. Amen. Amen. Which brings us to the third and final event that changed the world during Holy Week. And it's the resurrection of Christ. The Bible says in Matthew 28, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. And the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6. He isn't here. I wonder if he said it sarcastically. I wonder if he said it with this huge beaming grin on his face. I wonder if he was just like so elated to say it that he just screamed it. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said what happened. Come on, how many of you know that was a great day? That was a great day. Where's the disciples? Fishing? Jesus died on Friday. He was buried on Saturday, but he was resurrected on Sunday. Amen. He came alive. He is risen from the dead. Amen. I tell you, there's a message here. If you trust the Lord and you hold on to hope, you are going to experience, you're going to get out of Saturday and you're going to get over there in the Sunday. Amen. Come on, I'm here to encourage you this morning. The resurrection reminds us. It reminds us you don't have to go through the pain and sufferings of life all alone. You don't have to go through it all alone. You can come out of the dead grave of pain and of suffering. You say, but Todd, you don't know what I've been experiencing. You don't know what I've gone through in the last five years, 10 years, 30 years. You don't know what I've experienced as a human being in life. No, I don't know, but you're still alive. You're not in the grave yet. And if Jesus can get you out of the grave, I know he can get you out of the past that you've gone through, the pains and the sufferings you've been through. I know that the resurrecting power can reach down into the deepest pit and the darkest grave that we might find ourselves in. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nobody without hope this morning. Nobody without hope this morning. Amen. You should be encouraged this morning. You remember that story of that lady who was suffering from, uh, she was bleeding 
Uh, she, she hemorrhaged for 18 years. And the Bible says she spent everything she had trying to get better. And instead of getting better, she got worse. Ever felt that way? Like, okay, well, I'm going through this tough time. Well, I'm going to start, you know, drawing closer to God, reading my Bible, going to church. And you start doing that and, and it gets worse. That's what happened to this little lady. Things are going worse. But then all of a sudden she thinks, man, if I can just get to the, to the Messiah, if I can just get to Jesus, he's going to touch my suffering. He's going to touch my hemorrhaging and I'm going to be okay. And this little lady, this story that's tucked away in our Bible is there to tell us something. Some of you have spent all that you have trying to get better. You've been suffering for a long time, but the scripture is here to tell us it does not matter how long and how deep and how dark your life situation is. This is the gospel. This is the message of the gospel of salvation, that there's nothing that you can face in life that you have to live in. No tomb that you have to live in the rest of your life. Jesus is coming to say, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. He's, he's here to tell you, listen, quit looking at the dark walls of your grave and look out to the, to the, to the, to the opening and the entrance of your life. And I'm going to cause the stone to be rolled away. Come on. The Easter Sunday is a Sunday about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. He could take the greatest failure and turn it around. He can take the, he can take the most horrendous life and turn it around. This lady is an example of that. Amen. Listen, you know what? The resurrection reminds us. You don't have to continue to live your life contaminated by the negative effects of sin. Listen, I'm not so, I'm not so naive to, to think that in this room that everybody's holy. Cause I'm in this room. Make you feel a little better. We all live with this Adamic nature, this sin-stained, contaminated nature. And I know there's some of us in this room, we're struggling. We might be struggling with the, with the sin, the grip of offense. It might be somebody in this church that said something to you, or it might be two or three people. And now you've offended. And now you're gripped. Well, I'm here to tell you that the resurrection reminds us that we can be delivered from the grip of sin. There's some of you maybe that are in this room right now and you understand whenever I talk about I was controlled by an addiction. You understand that. You understand what it's like to have an issue going on in your life that you would rather not have, but you can't get away from. Listen, Jesus said, I came to deliver to set free. I came to set the captive free from the power and the grip of sin. That's what the resurrection means to us. And we might be in the, in the tomb of addiction or some kind of vice that's holding us and keeping us back. But Jesus came to set us free. He's coming, to, he's coming to roll the stone away. Amen. And he's wanting us to walk out of our grave clothes today. Amen. Yes. Remember the prodigal son. He's an example. He ended up in a pig's pen. And some of us in, in, a, in a symbolic way, we're in the pig's pen. He was in a pig's pen and he was so hungry that even pig's food looked good. And, and, he, and he, had lo he, had, he had ended up in this dark place in life. And he looked up one day and said, what in the world am I doing here? And the Bible says he came to his senses. 
and said, I'm going back home. And the Bible says he repented. And the father was waiting for him. And as he was going home, he was thinking about, I'm going to give my father this long excuse of why and what happened. And, and, and before, before he could get the words out, his father just overran him and picked him up and probably just twirled him around and said, my son, my son, welcome home. Welcome home. So it doesn't matter where we are, what we're dealing with today. God's grace is sufficient. For everybody that's in this room today. Come on, I'm enjoying preaching this. I don't know if you're enjoying hearing this, but I'm feeling like getting saved this morning. Amen? The resurrection reminds us, number three, you don't have to live in the tomb of disappointment, confusion, doubt, and discouragement. You don't have to live there. You can't control what happens in life. Some people go through divorce not because of their choice but because of the choice of somebody else. What do you do when you've been betrayed? What do you do whenever you've, you, you had dreams of having children but hadn't been able to have any? What do you do whenever you, you get cut from your job and you've, you've lived a, a certain way and now you, you're barely scraping by and you don't know how you're going to keep it? How do you cope with life when the person that you love the most just goes to be with the Lord. You can't control that. And then you got to deal with, how do I deal with God? Because I know he's sovereign and he can do everything. How do I deal with the pain and the disappointments of life? What do I do? Well, I think what you do is realize that there's no place of brokenness that you're in. That the Lord can't turn it around. That the Lord can't change it. You know, listen, you, you may never get the dream that you've hoped for, but I know this, that God's grace is sufficient to give you hope and to give you, give you uh, courage and to give you strength to keep going on in life and not let an event define you, not let a circumstance define you. Jesus never created us to be defined by one circumstance or one event. Jesus created us to live victorious. That's what the resurrection is all about. Amen. Remember when Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus died and uh, he, had, he had been dead for a while, like three days, right? And so the Bible says that Jesus called him out of the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth. And uh, Mary and Martha probably said, he's going to stink. You know, he's, he stinketh, you know. But Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came walking out. Now, now what is that all about? Listen. If you're hearing my voice, let me, let me see your hand. You're hearing my voice. Okay, that means you're alive. You're alive. You're not dead. And so if he can speak to a dead man that's been dead and stinking and tell him to come out, be alive, my goodness, what can he do in your life and in my life? Is there any circumstance or situation that Jesus cannot deal with? There's nothing, folks. There's nothing. Jesus says, John eleven twenty five 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Come on, do you believe this? Listen, if we, if we can just believe in the power of the resurrection, we can experience a miracle. Come on, I'm wondering, is there faith in this room today? 
Has there been faith that has been stirred up in this room this morning? He said, if you just, I am the resurrection. He who believes in me, believes in me and believes in the power of my resurrection. Amen. Listen, I want to ask you a question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I can change your life? That I can pull you out of the tomb of life that you find yourself in? Everything dead lives in the presence of God. Amen. And listen, everybody in this room, everybody in this room is at, at one of four places spiritually. And so the question is, do we believe? And so, you know, the, the first the first group, you, you'll see in that, uh, did you see that? Did you get a response card whenever you, you got here today? You know, one of the things that Jesus was really masterful at is that he would teach his crowd and then he would just bring them to a decision point and say, okay, it's up to you now. Do you believe or do you reject? Do you receive or do you reject? Do you believe or do you doubt? Where, where are you? And so I believe that in this room, the Lord would want us bring us to a, a decision point. And so if you look there in your response card down at the bottom, there's four blocks there. And I want to encourage you, after you find out what those blocks represent, I want to encourage you to take a pencil out of the pew or pull one out of your, your purse or whatever and, and just, you know, just check it off. And the first box represents, I'm already a real, I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. I'm a Christian and I'm serving the Lord. Some of you, that's, that represents you this morning. And you could easily say, man, that's me. But you know what? Some others of us in this room, you may be at that second box, the B box, that says that I'm beginning a real relationship with God today. I'm trying to figure this out and, and my heart is to follow the Lord, but I, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling a little bit and I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm wanting to grow with my relationship with God. And so you're B and maybe you need to check that off. But you know, there's others of you. And if we're just honest, if we're just honest with ourselves, we would say we're box C. And box C represents I like to consider it a bit more, a bit more first. I'm not, I'm not ready yet. And then D says, I don't ever intend to make that decision. I don't believe in God and I don't ever believe in intending. You know, there's some of you that are in, in, in that B box that, you know, you're saying, listen, I'm interested in Christianity. I'm interested in serving the Lord, but I've really never just made that decision. I've never really made that call. And listen, it, it doesn't bother us if you have to check off D because you know what? The Lord doesn't get bothered by that. I mean, he's not an atheist. He believes, right? And so he's convinced that who he is. And so he's not bothered. He just wants us to be real. He just wants us to be transparent because this is what I know. This is what I know. Nothing happens until we make a decision. Nothing happens until we make a decision that, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to go, I want to go with you into this life. I don't want to live in the grave. I want to come out. And so some of you need to check off that B box. Now I want you to, if you, if you don't mind, just fill that, just fill that card out before you go and, 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 uh, you could just, uh, 
hand it to somebody on the way out at the doors. We'll have somebody posted there. But Jesus came out of the grave, folks, for one reason and one reason only. Because he wanted to pull you and I out of our graves. He wanted to get us out of the pit that we were in. Amen. And some of you here this morning, you find yourself in a pit. And Jesus is ready to rescue you. Amen. He's ready to pull you out of that pit. I'm just going to give you a second to just look at that paper. Everybody, even the staff, I want you to just pull out that paper and just, just take a look at it. Just take a look at it and identify yourself this morning. And I believe even as we get honest before the Lord, that the Lord's just walking through this auditorium this morning and he is just responding to people's decisions as they open their heart and their life to him. I want you to just, uh, after you get finished with that paper, uh, filling out that response card, I want you to just, just hold it. Just hold it so I can see that you're done. You know, the Bible says that it's not God's wish that anybody would be left out. Not, not His will that one person would be left behind, but that everyone would come to the knowledge of Jesus. See, Easter Sunday is more than just putting on our, our new outfit and coming to church. Easter Sunday is about the hope that we have to live a life that's filled and abundant with God's grace. Amen. Would you do me a favor and let's stand together this morning. Romans 8 and 11, the verse that we started off with this morning says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Whenever you give your life to Christ, something happens. His spirit enters in you. And all of a sudden you have something, a strength that's supernatural. It's a strength that you can't get from drinking an energy drink or taking vitamins. It's a strength of your soul. It's a strength of your spirit. That's what the resurrection is all about. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that lives in you and will raise you up. Amen? Now listen, if you prayed, if you uh, checked off uh, that B-box, I want to pray, and we're going to all pray together. Would you just pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying but thank you for being resurrected. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us hope today that regardless of where we are or what we've been through, we can have life and have it abundantly. We can overcome. We can succeed. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross, for shedding your innocent blood for my sins so I could be forgiven. Lord, today, I choose to surrender. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I want to be your follower. Thank you, Jesus, 
for accepting me into your family and into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, come on, if you're glad he's risen, let me hear you give him a shout, a shout of praise. Come on, give him a good shout. He isn't here. He is risen. He is risen. Father, I pray the risen Christ, the risen power of God would be released over this auditorium and everybody that's in a grave of some sort and kind. Lord, I pray that you would roll the stone away today and I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, just burst the tomb that they're in and Lord, let them walk out in a new life, in a new strength, new hope, and new courage today. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. Happy Resurrecting Sunday, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to let us have that card on your way out. There'll be some ushers at the the doors. God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. But if not, enjoy the rest of your Easter Sunday.